Welcome into the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. On Saturday, the Tennessee Titans won their first playoff game since 2004, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 22-21 at Arrowhead Stadium in a game that was 21-3 with about six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. And uh, after that, it, it was all Titans the rest of the way. The Chiefs did not score another point. And uh, Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, and a really solid performance from the Titans defense led the way. So before we start talking about all of the the things that the Titans did really well, I want to adjust, uh, address, not adjust, I want to address a couple of topics first. First of all, uh, we kind of hit on this before we started recording, this idea of everyone's calling it a giant collapse for the Chiefs. And it, it was a really colossal collapse for the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, should we be referring to this as a collapse or more as a comeback from the Titans? Um, well, I think it could be both because you can't have a collapse uh, if the other team doesn't go out, out and win the game. So, I mean, credit to – I mean, I'll say this much. The Chiefs lost Travis Kelsey. That was a huge part um, – Played a huge part in the game. Uh, they only gave Kareem Hunt 11 carries for some reason. I don't know what their off- offensive coaches were doing. Um, and Alex Smith really, uh, well, they didn't have the ball in the second half. Uh, and I think that's a testament uh, to the Titans. Uh, they went on, on like three really long drives, uh, and they didn't let the Chiefs get the ball back on offense. Uh, and even when they did get the ball back on offense, the defense was swarming. Um, so everyone was playing well. So I, it is a collapse because I mean, they were up 21 to three. You should really never lose a game like that. Uh, especially with the, with the talent the chiefs have on offense. Um, but losing Kelsey and also losing Chris Jones for them, uh, it hurt, but, uh, uh credit to the Titans, uh, especially Marcus Mariota, Derek Henry and the defense for, for sticking in this game and never quitting, um, and coming back to win. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that is about respect and kind of the national view. You know, if it was the Patriots, and I'm not trying to compare the Titans to the Patriots, but if it was the Patriots or a team that, you know, had the national media behind them as a sleeper or something like that, it would be a good comeback. And it would be about how one person like Marcus Mariota, like put the team on his back and did all that that stuff. Now, mainly when you see the headline, it's, more that the Chiefs collapsed and that Andy Reid really gave the game away and all that stuff. It, they don't focus nearly as much as they should on how dominant Mariota and the rest of that team was on both sides of the ball for the second half of that game. So, it, you know, I think they should get credit, but, you know, it, it's hard because until you earn respect from the national media, you just won't get it. So the Titans are on their way to doing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Also, no one wants to give credit to. A Mike Malarkey-led team, it seems. Um, I mean, he's been he's been much maligned, a lot of it for good reason, but it seems like people are just, they just hate him, and they're out to get him. But credit to him, because over the past few years, the culture in this organization has really changed, and uh, we're not just using cliches. I, I do think it's true. So after the game, in his post-game press conference, uh, Mike Malarkey was asked about the situation regarding his job. Because uh, 
early Saturday morning, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported that if the Titans were embarrassed, Malarkey would likely be fired and replaced with New England Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. And later that afternoon, uh, Corey Curtis of WKRN, a local news station in Nashville, uh, confirmed that report with one of his own sources. And when Malarkey was asked about it, he said that it was unfair to his family and he at no point in the process actually felt secure. You know, usually you hear these coaches, they're like, well, that's just outside talk. We don't listen to that. No, he, he's flat out said, he said, I didn't feel secure. And so today, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Adams Strunk put out an, a, a unique statement kind of ex- expressing her trust in Malarkey. It was kind of an odd situation, but especially now that Malarkey has won a playoff game with this team against a really good Kansas City Chiefs team and has a chance to do it again next week in New England, obviously Mike Malarkey is going to be the coach of this team moving forward. But what do you two make of the whole idea of if the Titans hadn't come back in that game, Malarkey being fired? Um, It made sense to me. Um, I mean, it, I think it's becoming pretty clear that John Robinson uh, either is not fully sold on Malarkey or just wants to bring his own guy in, uh, which, according to reports, seems to be Josh McDaniels. Um, but at this point in time, I don't, I don't see any way that that Malarkey does get fired. Um, so Josh McDaniels won't be a Titans head coach. Um, if you if you're okay with that, or you wanted him to be the coach. Uh, so be it. But I do think Malarkey's going to stay. Um, yesterday, um, when I saw those quotes from Malarkey, um, I mean, maybe I'm just a softy, but I honestly felt bad for him because he really does seem like a nice guy. Um, and he has done good things for this organization. Um, so I tweeted from the Titans House account that, that the front office should at least uh, come out and give him a vote of confidence going into next week uh, because this really seemed like like a distraction that just didn't need to be happening. <laughs> uh and during the playoffs it was just a little bit ridiculous so i thought it was good to see um amy adam shrunk come out with a statement today backing him uh and i do think it was the right thing to do it's tough and i'm sorry for his family and you know kind of the consequences of this speculation but it's the right right thing to do I mean, it's a performance-based job and your most important asset is marcus mariota and this year he was allowed to regress and forced into a system where he wasn't allowed to audible. And, I mean, he was put in situations where the plays just didn't work. Other other teams knew what plays were coming. You know, they didn't seem to practice plays against different fronts from what Delaney Walker said. There's a lot of things that were clearly wrong with this team. And a lot of it goes back to Terry Rubisky, who I think should be fired still. Even If the Titans go and mm-hmm. win the Super Bowl, I think they should still fire him because it's clear that at this point that they've taken play-calling duties away from him as much as they can. But for Malarkey to let this kind of malpractice go on for 16 weeks where they were just trying to force this square peg into the round hole over and over and over again – for it to take six, really 16 games and then half of this past game for them to change something, that shouldn't happen. You know, it's good that you're winning games, but I've said it before, the team was winning games in spite of coaching. For somebody who is as 
acclaimed and as respected as a play caller as Malarkey was when he was a coordinator, going back to his Atlanta days where he really, I mean, he was not a, you know, three yards in cloud of dust kind of guy. He was creative with his schemes. He made Julio and Roddy White what they were at their peaks in Atlanta. I mean, obviously not uh, Julio for too long because he left, but I mean, he made that offense run really well and, you know, he had a functional running game and all that kind of stuff. And for him to come over here and watch what happened with Rubisky calling plays and not step in or pull him aside or change something, that that is a reason to believe that even if you're winning games, you're not the best long-term answer for the Titans. And the, the Titans are at a critical point where they've got to figure out if they are comfortable with Marcus leading them for the next eight years because they're going to about to have to give him a contract, and this is the cheapest point they can do it. And if they were going to make a change, they would have to do it now. So it seems like he's gotten the vote of confidence, and I think that's the right call. I think Malarkey's a very good guy. You know, you hear stories about him going and taking pizza to homeless people and doing all these nice things. I mean, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. So I, I would like for him to stay in Nashville for as long as he could because the team respects him, and you see that from coming back from a 21-3 to deficit. But – at the same time, there is something systematically wrong with this team, and if you can identify it as the offensive coordinator and cut that out, that's great. You know, if you can't figure out how to stop it, you know, you know with just one coaching change like that, then it's fair to say that Malarkey's job was in trouble. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of ask this bluntly: um, What happened in the first half for the Titans? Because you know, obviously not having to account for Travis Kelsey in the second half helped. But, I mean, the, the Chiefs really didn't do anything on offense. And I would almost say that if they had Travis Kelsey, I mean, I don't. the, the play calling was just odd. So, in the first half, you tweeted this at one point, I think, Will, that it looked like the Titans were playing to punt. Hill and Kelsey were wide open on every single play. And the offense was usual, you know, slow start, two or three yard runs and it was just bad. So I guess what went wrong in the first half and uh, before we start to actually talk about what happened in the second half, could we against new England see that first half performance again? Um, Yeah, you can absolutely see it again because uh, we already kind of saw it against a really good opponent, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we fell behind, and then we just got absolutely blown out. So against these really good teams um, with really good offenses, it's always a possibility because we're still a rebuilding team. We're in the middle of a rebuild. Uh, we're in year two of it. Uh, and although we do have a lot of talented pieces, uh, a lot of them are still um, mixing and uh, meshing together. So uh, that first half performance can happen again. Uh, the good news is, is the second half performance can, can happen again. But to go back to that first half against the Chiefs, uh, it looked like the Titans were running in slow motion. I mean, the Chiefs looked so much faster than them um, running in their routes. And he, even Kareem Hunt, when he was getting the ball, he was just, he was getting five to seven yards to carry every time. Uh, and Alex Smith was just picking picking our defense apart. Um and that, that interception that Mariota threw came at a really bad time because the Titans' offense was actually moving the ball, um, especially on that drive. Uh, and it, it looked like they were at least going to get some points when they were down 14-0. Um, but that, that interception was kind of costly because 
uh, we were going to get points there. The good news is what happened. What happened next was that uh, Kansas City punted. Uh, we moved the ball again, but we only got a field goal. Um, and then we we left way too much time for the for the Chiefs to run down the field, not run down the field, pass down the field. Um, and oh my God, that that drive at the end of the half was one of the most frustrating things I've ever seen as a fan. I mean, the Titans could not cover anyone. Um, as we as we as we pointed out, Logan Ryan was playing outside linebacker at one, one point, and then our All Pro safety misses a tackle with five seconds left um, to keep away a touchdown. So, yeah, I was I was I was about to call it quits. I'm pretty sure I tweeted like "Go home" or something. Uh, I re- I regret that, but I, I mean that's how I felt at the time. But um, yeah, that everything everything went wrong, but then everything went right. So it was worth it. You know, so, you know, I'll, I'll do the same thing Matias did and start with the second question first. I think it could happen if the Titans do the same thing that they've always done, which is, you know, kind of walk into games, no sense of urgency. You know, they're not looking to attack some sort of weakness they found on the offensive or defensive side. They're just looking to run the same plays at a slow tempo and just kind of poke and prod and figure out what the other team's trying to do. And then they're willing to give up you know, a couple of scores and then try to come back from that, which is a bad way to play football. Now, um, against Canton, and do I think it'll happen? No, because it looks like this team has figured out that Marcus needs to call the plays because he's the most intelligent guy in the room. And he obviously knows how to use the playbook that they've given him better than they do. So at a certain point, maybe pride gets it, you know, gets out of the way and they say, you know, you're our best chance to win you know, we'll call the first two, and then after that, you just call what you think is going to work. And maybe that sort of cohesion can work. Um, maybe it can't. We'll see. But that's that's something I'd like for them to do, and it's something that looked like they were trying to do towards the end of that game. Uh, in the first half, well, first off, everything went right for Kansas City. They found a way to scheme uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, open. They found a way to get Travis Kelsey on Avery Williamson, which we said on this podcast is a cardinal sin that could never happen. And it happened and they scored a touchdown. I mean, it was the easiest completion of the day. It never looked like Williamson was within two yards. And that's not a knock on Williamson as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. He's just not a great cover linebacker. Um, Another thing they did that was really foolish to me, and maybe we did a bad job of explaining it last week, is that they moved Adoree Jackson into the slot to cover Tyreek Hill, which is not how they should use him. Uh, in most packages, if there's two corners and two safeties on the field, you're, you're, both your corners are playing boundary. So um, they're to the outside, close to the sideline. That Y'all know what a boundary corner is. Adoree and Logan should play boundary corner and base defense. Then, no matter what the personnel is, you should move with, with the people you have now. Your move is bring in a third corner who's Ty Smith and move Logan Ryan into the slot. If you're worried about who they have in the slot and you don't think that Logan Ryan can cover him, don't move a Dory Jackson there. Give him safety help. That's the way you fix that. What they did was they put a Dory Jackson in the slot, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but a Dory's really good at using the sideline to squeeze defenders and to get up and contest passes. If he doesn't have that sideline as an extra defender, that leaves the wide receiver with what's called a two-way go on an option route, which means they can go to the right or to the left, and it makes Adoree have to play in much more space than he's normally used to playing in. He's 
a good enough athlete, but that's just not where he works best. So they took a Dory out of where he really thrives and put him in a position where he doesn't. And they put their best playmaker there and it exploited the Titans and it was really bad. Um, later in the game, they fixed that and that helped, but it was just a combination of their offense out scheming our defense. And then offensively, we looked lethargic like we usually do. And there was just no sort of pace or tempo until all of a sudden there was. And I don't know what the catalyst was for that, but you know, whatever that change, whatever made that change happen, changed the team. So Mm-hmm. It, th- those are the issues that happened in the first half, and that, that's that's kind of my take on what I've seen from that game. Yep. So moving on to the second half, um, Derek Henry was stellar. Uh, Mariota had the awesome uh, touchdown throw to himself, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, we we kind of hit on the, the Travis Kelsey issue. But what do you honestly think it was that sparked new life into the Titans? Because they were dead for most of the first half, especially on defense. Yeah, um, and as well as the defense played, the offense was the main reason um, that the Titans were able to win the game in the second half. Um, They started the second half out with the ball. They went on a 15-play drive, 91 yards, that ate up eight minutes of clock, over eight minutes of clock, uh, and they scored a touchdown on that drive. Um, and then even after the Dory fumbled punt, when Kansas City missed that field goal, I mean, if, if Kansas City would have gotten that field goal, we probably would have lost that game. Uh, and we capitalized. We got another touchdown. Um, I think that was that was in the fourth quarter. Uh, but right before that fourth quarter um, came, um, I think Delaney Walker caught, caught a pretty big pass, and Derrick Henry got a nice run. Um, right before the end of the third, um, and then uh, we we we, uh, we shut ourselves up really nicely um, at the start of the fourth quarter. I think we run like the Kansas City thirty-five yard line, um, and then we hit that strike to Decker. Um, no, no, that was the Derrick Henry run, right? Thirty-five yards, yeah. right after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got that touchdown, and then we forced another punt, which was compl- perfectly on the defense. They played very well. Um, but that drive right before was six plays, 62 yards, 317 for a touchdown. And then on our next drive, 11 plays, 80 yards, and we ate up another five minutes on the clock. So the offense just completely controlled the ball, uh, didn't let Alex Smith get in a rhythm because they only had three drives the entire second half, um, which is just pretty crazy considering how many they had uh, in the first half. Didn't so it, I think that was uh, a really big part of it. If they only had... Three drives. Are you counting the one after the muffed punt as an extra drive? No. Because technically that's no, a turnover. Not. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm counting that all as one drive. Okay, because technically that's two three and outs right there. Because they went, right, they yeah, went three okay. and out, punted, and then got the turnover and went three and out again and missed the field goal. Yeah. But, yeah and right it. after that muffed punt, they only got negative two yards. <laughs> like That was a fantastic job by the defense. How do you I, it, how do you only give Kareem Hunt 11 carries? I mean, I don't know what they were doing. They had a 21 to 3 lead and they wouldn't even give the ball to their running back to melt the clock. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, but the, but that's that's the thing, you know, the story of the second half shouldn't be collapse versus uh, you know, comeback. It should be the Titans featured their best player and mm-hmm. the Chiefs didn't. And 
you can argue if that's because of coaching or because, you know, maybe Kareem Hunt's banged up after carrying the ball a bunch and they just didn't trust him. You know, maybe, you know, th- maybe the Titans were giving them a stacked box or something that they didn't like the look of and the auto responses to do what they were doing. Whatever it was is the Titans found a way to feature their best player, which is Marcus, and the Chiefs forgot to feature their best players and threw passes to Orson Charles and, you know, other play. And, and that's, that's where it got to. As unfortunate as that is, you know, if you if you understand who you are and you find a way to get your best players onto the field to make plays, you will win games more times than not. But teams try to overcomplicate things and try to get too cute and settle for allowing other teams to take their players away instead of getting creative, and they lose games. So yeah. we talked about it last week, uh, this whole deal about Derrick Henry not being good at football, calling himself soft. And I've said it since the preseason, and people call me crazy, that he runs like he's Chris Johnson. And people acted like I went and peed on the Lincoln Memorial like when I said that. <laughs> but it was true, and he even admitted it. And guess what? Yeah. In the first game after he realized that he can't run like that at his size... He averaged like what seven yards a carry. I mean, oh, yeah, six point eight. Yeah. So good, good stuff from Derrick Henry. And Mike Malarkey said today in his in his conference call that Henry will likely start again uh, next week. And I still think Demarco Murray would be doubtful for that game. So the Patriots, mm-hmm. whose run defense is not very good from what we hear, are going to get a heavy dose of Derrick Henry again next week. Yeah, so we've been pretty vocal about wanting Henry um, to showcase his power and be a better inside-the-tackles runner, Uh, and he really didn't end end the season, the regular season, uh, on a good note. Um, He was not not hitting the hole well. He really wasn't seeing things well, Uh, and he just, like he said, he was playing soft, but this Derrick Henry is just an absolute animal, and they did not want to tackle him uh, at all. And, and it's a huge reason um, that we were able to sustain those long drives in the second half uh, because he was just getting chunk gain after chunk gain and he was moving the chains. So, I mean, I, I said it in between the game. If Derrick Henry plays like that, then there is no, no question whatsoever that he's our future uh, workhorse running back going forward. Uh, and it was interesting that that Ian Rappaport report came out before uh, before the game that DeMarco probably won't be back next season and that Henry will be the featured back going forward. Um, I do still have concerns about him in terms of pass protection uh, and just being a receiver overall. I don't think he's a terrible receiving back. He can do it if asked. Uh, but he definitely do, does have to get better in pass protection. And I think if you complement him uh, with a more pure receiving back or even one with the skill set of DeMarco Murray, um, then we could have uh, we could have our backfield set um, for the next five or so years. Yeah, I mean, that's the guy we saw at Alabama. That's the guy who would run mm-hmm. between tackles. And if you didn't bring three or four guys to him by the time he got four or five yards, He was going to score. I mean, you just couldn't stop him. And we've seen glimpses of that guy this year because he would get outside, and once he got outside, he would really build up speed and it'd be hard for guys to get him. But we didn't see the inside runs for eight yards or for 12 yards or for seven, you know, that we saw yesterday that, you know, make you think, okay, that guy is a guy you can build your offense around. But 
yesterday we saw you know him do everything you wanted him to do. Then he got outside after Marcus's great block and showed you that he can tire mm-hmm. up the sideline and go. You know, that guy yesterday, I, I know the Chiefs might not be the best rush defense or whatever, but that guy yesterday is a guy that you can force other teams to take away and then let Marcus exploit whatever they have to give up. You know, that mm-hmm. guy can win you football games or that guy can allow somebody else to step up and, and win football games for you. So if if the Titans can get more of that, in this playoffs and even next year, then, you know, Robinson's going to look like a genius for getting two different all pros and all these pro bowlers and quality starters. And then also a foundational running back in the second round. So, you know, credit to Derrick Henry for challenging himself because it's easy for a six, three guy who's 255 pounds to say, you know, I'm not soft. I know I'm not soft. I'll just get him next time. But he said, no, I played soft, and I need to play better than that, even though we won the game and even though I scored the team's only touchdown. And what did he do? He came out and had the most yards from scrimmage of any Titans or Oilers running back in history, I believe. So, you know, like I said, credit to him because he really stepped up and put his money where his mouth was. Yeah, and I was really encouraged by his 35-yard touchdown uh, because we ran it at a shotgun. Uh, and so many times this season, we've tried to run with DeMarco Murray at a shotgun, and it just does not work because he's too slow getting started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derrick Henry could get started pretty quickly, uh, and if he can run that uh, impressively out of out of shotgun, it just opens up so many, so many different options for your offense, um, and especially in today's NFL, that could be that could be a huge asset. Yeah. So. We've talked about it a little bit on the show, especially in our preview episode last week, about how the often forgotten third phase of football special teams is something that the Titans have paid a lot of attention to. I'm sure it played into the drafting of Adoree Jackson. They signed Trawick. They signed <coughs> Bates. You know, you, you have an all-pro Pro Bowl punter and Brett Kern. Ryan Suckup broke the record. You know, they've made sure that they have consistent performers on special teams because they don't want that phase to lose the game like they have in the past. And arguably, uh, despite the fact that Adoree Jackson muffed a punt yesterday, the reason that this deficit wasn't bigger going in, into halftime is because Tyreek Hill was shut down anytime he had the ball in his hands and the Chiefs were constantly starting drives inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, uh, we saw it on the first first uh, play of the game when we kicked the ball off to them. Uh, and our special teams coverage just swarmed Tyreek Hill. And, and Trawick made that great play to tackle him. Came flying in, and he only got 17 yards on that on that play. It, it was surprising that they didn't put him back for any other kick return after that. I don't know why they put Chark Hendrick West back there. But even on Tyreek Hill's two punt returns, he only got eight yards. Uh, and one of them was an eight-yard return. The other one was didn't go for anything. So uh, fantastic job by them. Uh, they've really gotten better as the season season went on um and it's good to see because we did pour uh, a good amount of resources into there um and that, that was a huge a huge part of the win uh, a lot of people will just overlook it um uh, but when you have such a dynamic returner uh on the other end uh you really do have to keep him in check and and, and give your defense good field position to work with yeah i mean it's it's easy to forget like we said you know 
got you know you only look at special teams like you know teams usually look at offensive lines like when they let something really bad happen then it's really easy to find you know the third string corner or and for the, the you know, and for the last two years the Titans special teams has let really bad things happen yeah it seemed like every time and we've talked about this before I'm not sure if we talked talked about it on but when we kick it to Cordero Patterson or Tyler Lockett or Tyreek Hill you just assume that your team is just giving up a touchdown as soon as it touches their hands and they start running so it's good to see that not only are we not afraid to kick it to them but we've got guys that can get down and cover and you know it doesn't matter if they try to reverse field or whatever it's not just one or two special teams guys it's a whole mentality you know it's Eric Weems who's got the whole unit fired up and who who's acting crazy, you know, it's, it's guys who we haven't heard about for six weeks because they were on the inactives list, but because of injuries they're up or because of game plan they're up. You know, it's guys that you forget are on the team until they make a play, and then you realize how hard it is to build a roster. So, you know, good job on the special teams, good job on uh, Brett Kern and uh, Ryan Sucka, you know, a good, good job just, you know, all around because, like I said, you know, it was a one-point victory. So it's not like they had a lot of room for error. You know, any, a missed field goal early kills them. You know, a bad hold, you know, kills them. It, it's just so many different things could have gone wrong and hurt this team. And, you know, they did all the little things well. And it wasn't just our our coverage units. Uh, Ryan Suckup drilling that 49-yard field goal was, was pretty much the difference in the game um, because we won by one point. And Kern, even though he he did have one one poor punt, uh, the other two were fantastic, and um, he's he's just been he's been our MVP this season. Yeah. Now, field position is so important in the NFL, and you mentioned Ryan Suckup nailing field goals. I'm sure the Chargers would love to have oh. the Titans special teams, because if they did, mm-hmm. they'd be... they they would have been playing the Chiefs yesterday. Instead yeah, of the Titans. They would have been the AFC West champions if Young Way Koo would have hit that field goal in uh I think it was week one or something. Uh and then what I don't even remember who their other kickers were. There were so many. Um, but a bunch of them missed kicks that and they ended up losing games because of it. So I mean, like for, a, a for on on the first day of free agency, the Titans did the least sexy thing possible and made their first big <laughs> signings a backup safety, and a backup linebacker. And that backup safety yeah. and backup linebacker arguably has transformed this team. Yeah, and uh, it's not even just in play. Whenever I see Darren Bates out on the field, um, awaiting the, the cover kick, or even when he's on the sideline, he's always dancing and he's got this energy about him that's just awesome. Uh, and I think it does translate to the to, to the rest of the team. I think, Matias, you interviewed Tim Shaw last year, and you asked him, what's the difference in, in special team success? Because we see, you know, really fast and athletic guys not be able to do it. And he said, it's an effort thing. You have to make mm-hmm. it a want to, not a have to. And when you have someone like a Trawick or a Bates, where that's your identity, it's almost like a Tim Shaw or a Patrick Bailey, where you just know they're going to go down and get the job done and 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 have fun doing it. Trawick flies down the field on every kickoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so does Eric Weems, even though we we, we didn't like that signing when it happened. Uh, he's been a, a pretty big part of it, too. Yeah. So um, I want to talk for a minute about one of the, the bad parts of the game for the entire game for the Titans, 
And that's their wide receiving core. Uh, Delaney Walker yesterday had six catches for 74 yards. And we I've said this all year long. Uh, the Titans, as good as Delaney Walker is, all, uh, Pro Bowl perennial player every year, he still might go to the Pro Bowl as a replacement. The fact that your 33-year-old tight end is still your best deep threat, and Delaney Walker's a good deep threat, but he doesn't need to be your best. And again, Pro Bowl player, but your offense doesn't need to run through him. The Chiefs, they have Travis Kelsey, but they throw to Tyreek Hill. The Patriots, they have Gronkowski, but they throw to uh, Brandon Cooks a lot. You cannot continue to like rely on Delaney Walker this much and not get any production out of your receiving core. Because it's been a while since Rashard Matthews did anything productive. We joked before the show that Corey Davis, four catches for 35 yards yesterday, and we called that a good day for him. I mean, it, it's not good, especially considering they added three wide receivers in the offseason, Decker in free agency and Davis and Taylor through the draft. Yeah, and um, I mean, we were going up against a camp. Kansas City unit um, who gave up just a ridiculous amount of production to wide receivers throughout the year. Uh, and our two leading receivers were a tight end uh, and our running back, Derrick Henry. So, so that should never happen, um, especially when you've invested so much uh, uh, in the wide receiver core. Um, and, and I just I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, these guys are committing drops. They, they never seem to run the right route. Um I, I know we joke all the time because Mo, Mike Malarkey loves to loves to nitpick his wide receivers, but I mean I'm starting to understand it uh, because they just they haven't been in sync with Mariota the entire year, uh, and they haven't been reliable for any any stretch any period really. Uh, none of them have been. So yeah, I mean it's tough, and I, I don't even know how you assess them going forward. Um, I, I mean I'll chalk up Corey Davis and Taiwan Taylor to being to being rookies, but. Uh, I mean, Richard Matthews and Eric Decker. I don't. I don't know. Well, Richard Matthews hasn't really. He hasn't been bad, but, but, and a lot of the times when, when people are, are Mariota needs to throw it instead of taking a sack. Uh, a lot of those times, it he can't throw it because no one's getting open. Uh, and we've seen it time and time again, and it, it's really frustrating. And it can, it, it can really damage your offense. And Malarkey kind of talked about in the off season how. You know, not every big play on offense has to either come with a deep, has to come with a deep pass down the field, and at the same time, you cannot win games in the National Football League if your passes are going for you know two, three yards a pop. And the Titans do nothing after the catch, and that's supposedly what led them to drafting mm-hmm. Corey Davis and Tywan Taylor because that's something those two guys were known for. Yet I've seen nothing from either of those guys that tells me they're going to have success in the NFL after the catch. Now, Davis, you know, whatever. And Taylor hadn't really gotten that many options in the passing game. But this is still way too much of a dink and dunk passing game. And it's gotten to the point where they don't even take deep shots anymore because it's probably just going to be an incomplete pass and a waste of down. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I was never expecting yak ability from, from Decker. Um, I was expecting it from Davis and Taylor. Uh, Taylor, I feel like, hasn't even gotten, gotten an opportunity to catch a pass and go forward. Um, Davis, he's, ha- he's had a couple runs after after some catches where, where he's shown some ability, but he really hasn't looked all that explosive. Um, I think Rashard Matthews has looked the most explosive whenever he's gotten a chance to, to catch the ball and run. 
I mean, you saw it on on that screen pass um, against the Seahawks back in Week Three. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. We really thought this this receiving core would be uh, a lot faster, a lot more explosive this season, uh, and they, they look even slower than last year's unit, and it it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, understand that I'm always gonna, especially with guys like. Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that a lot of them, a lot of their uh, potential development is being hampered by Rubisky, who I think runs a uh, mind-numbingly boring scheme sometimes, like with the all, with the super curls and short routes and everything, but won't try to isolate Corey Davis against anybody. It, it's it's a really weird kind of scheme that he runs that I've been very vocal about not liking, but. Um, one thing is, is they seem to always try to line Corey Davis up across from Marcus Peters, which is foolish, but it's what they did. And so that takes away Corey Davis, who should be a guy who, if you can get him in space, is dangerous. And, you know, a couple of times balls hit Eric Decker, like right in the chair. You know, Eric Decker, Johnny Smith got passes that just went, you know, right off of them and they should have caught it. But it really what kind of disappoints me is, I thought that they would try to find creative ways after seeing Adoree Jackson and Taewon Taylor in all those weird motion plays that we saw in the preseason and the midseason, all that kind of stuff. I really thought in the playoffs they would find a way to get some of their fast guys, and they did it with Taewon once, I think. But you know, I really thought they would try to find a way to incorporate that to open up the box for Derrick Henry, and maybe it was just working well enough for them in the second half where they didn't try it, but. My biggest concerns with the wide receivers now in the downfield element because the, there seems to be con- some chemistry issues, and I don't think that's going to get fixed over a week. But I would like to see them game planned into the game into the game somehow where they can actually help the team instead of you know running a route for three yards or four yards and then being asked to block every other play. But uh, I, I don't know. I still have a lot of you know faith in Corey Davis and some of those younger guys, but it, it's definitely been disappointing. Yeah, I mean he's a rookie. Let's let's not call him a bust yet. No, no he, hasn't, he yeah. hasn't even played a full season. Yeah, this this all goes under the fact that Matias is the uh, president of the Austin Johnson fan club. I'm yes. the president of the Corey Davis fan club. So you know, while he's not been super productive this year, I still fully believe that he was wide receiver one from last year's draft class. And you can go ahead and quote me on this if he turns out not to have a good career. But, you know, I definitely think he's got all the tools to be really successful in the NFL. Austin Johnson's a monster, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw him. Played well yesterday. Yep. He's he's really good. Yeah, he's really good. Um, Two players for the Titans that – uh, or, or free agent acquisitions that haven't exactly played up to what the level we expected uh, was uh, have been wide receiver Eric Decker and safety Jonathan Cyprian, both of whom had pretty bad first halves yesterday, especially Decker, who couldn't seem to catch anything that came his way, which was a problem continuing from last week's game against the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars. And uh, honestly, the only productive thing Cyprian did was knock Travis Kelsey out of the game. Uh, people keep saying that Cyprian redeemed himself at the end of that game and that Decker redeemed himself. I don't consider doing your job redeeming yourself. <laughs> like, that, you, you get paid to do that job. Like, if a quarterback throws an interception 
Like, he doesn't redeem himself by throwing a touchdown. He just threw a touchdown. Should, still shouldn't have thrown the interception. So, Eric Decker, not. I've been kind of up and down in terms of my opinion on him as a player. I'm kind of down right now, even after that, that game-winning touchdown catch. And Jonathan Cyprian, what has he done for the Titans? And, and he's making nearly $7 million a year. And if that's what we're paying $17 million a year for, someone to just kind of stand there and basically be a smaller version of Avery Williamson, then I don't think that's worth $7 million a year. Yeah, so so if you follow the Titans as the count, you know uh, I have a bit of a, no, it's not even a love-hate relationship with Cyprian. It's kind of just hate because he just he misses so many tackles. And he, we brought him in to be the guy who makes the tackles. We didn't bring him in for his coverage ability because he's not that great in covering. Um, but, but, oh, my God, he missed a tackle yesterday where um, I think he was trying to tack, t- tackle Tyreek Hill. And then Tyreek Hill went like 40 yards down the field after that missed tackle. And it was just – it was really frustrating because it keeps happening with him. But he did make two huge plays. Uh, on the most important drive of the game, I'm not going to say he's redeemed, um, but but I'm glad he he made the plays because we wouldn't have won if he didn't. Um, who was the other guy? Oh, Decker. Yeah. Uh, I, I oh my god, Decker man. I don't, I don't even know how he's still getting snaps. Like thank thank God he caught the pass. But I mean, it was a fantastic throw by Mario to to stick it in there. You know, there, uh, there if was, Decker would have dropped, there was one point where after all of the drops before the the touchdown. Mm-hmm where they lined up in a three-wide receiver formation, and it was Matthews, Davis, and Decker. And I thought to myself, man, they really can't stand day one Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, I know they're different uh, different body types and different athletes, but, I mean, I'm sure Taiwan could run some of the same stuff that Decker runs. And, and even on that, I can't remember what down it was, um, but a, a Chiefs player, I think it was Steve, even Nelson made a really nice diving pass breakup on a on a pass intended for Decker, uh, and if he if Decker would have been able to catch that, I mean he couldn't catch it, but uh, if Mariota would have been able to to stick that throw in, uh, Decker would have ran for maybe twenty more yards. But if that was Taiwan, he might have been able to break away from from Nelson and might have scored a touchdown. So, I mean, I want Taiwan to to be the guy going forward in the next season, but I don't. He he must be doing something wrong. In practice, it, it, I don't know. You know, prior to the draft, we kind of assumed that Tajay Sharp was going to be the slot guy this season. But when they drafted Taylor, we thought, okay, that'll probably be a thing where they split time because Taylor's young mm-hmm. and Sharp's not the fastest guy in the world. Well, then Sharp gets injured and they sign Decker and Taewon Taylor completely disappears from anything. And you you said it, Will, all training camp, all I saw him do every day at that practice facility was run into rounds and RPOs and screens to Taewon Taylor with the first team offense. And they've done none of that this year. I mean, the the hype that he got was the same that Jayon Brown was getting. And Jayon Brown has become a real sub you know, slash situational starter for this team. I mean, he's a clear, you know, he has a clear place in the defense. That that never came to be for Taewon. It's really, I mean, it's really strange because there's no injury. There's no huge lapse in judgment that cost him a game or put him in the doghouse. It's all got to be practice stuff. But I don't wonder, I mean, I wonder if it's the same stuff that is letting, you know, DeMarco Murray play over Derrick Henry. 
if it's letting older guys play <laughs> above younger guys, and that whole thing is just a bad way to coach your team. Yeah. Agreed. So, <laughs> one really last topic, and it's an important one, Mr. Drunk LeBeau. The Titans' <laughs> defense <laughs> continues to be the reason why they win games. I mean, obviously, they ran the ball well in the second half yesterday, and Mariota made some nice plays. But this defense is suffocating. Four sacks yesterday. They get after the quarterback. They stop the run game. I said it on our podcast. I said Kareem Hunt will do nothing against the Titans. It's going to be all Kelsey and Hill. And it's because I believe in this run defense because week in and week out, they prove me right that they're one of the best units in the NFL. Now, they're very vulnerable in the passing game when it comes to covering backs and tight ends. And someone like Tyreek Hill, who's just a freak, is going to give them worries. But they have a very solid secondary. They have an all-pro back there in Kevin Byard, two very solid corners in Jackson and Ryan, and a front forward that's going to get after the quarterback and not let you do anything in the running game. This is a legitimate, I'm not going to call them elite, but this is a very legitimate, very good defense that as we start to kind of look ahead to New England next week, they're not going to be scared of Tom Brady. No, who would ever be scared of Tom Brady? Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, the defense really played well. Like you said, four sacks. They had four tackles for loss uh, and five QB hits on Alex Smith. Um, Kareem Hunt, really. I mean, I know he should have gotten more than eleven carries, but he got held to three point eight yards yards per carry. Um, and even when they try to throw to him, he only had he had three catches, but he only got five yards on on those catches. So the defense played really. They also held Shark Kendrick West to two catches for one yard. So the defense is on fire. They have been for the last month, really. Um, outside of uh, Todd Gurley transcending um, and becoming, I don't know, some sort of god, football <laughs> god. Um, the defense has played really well, um, and it. it, it definitely is a credit to LeBeau and LeBeau seems to be like a, a second half adjustment kind of guy because I mean we saw it in that in that Colts game uh, on Monday night where we were just getting torn apart in the first half somehow by Jacoby Brissett uh came out in the second half sort of blitzing blitzing him on almost every play and, uh, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do anything yep and the pass rush in, in in particular has been just fantastic they're getting pressure on any single team uh that they play um, and we, we've said it before, we'll, we'll say it again, uh, having a good pass rush is, is key, is paramount uh, in order for your defense to play well because you can only cover for so long. Yeah, I, I struggle with this because do I give credit to the guy who shut out the Chiefs in the second half or do I blame the guy for, got, for digging him into a 21-3 to hole in the first half? You know, it's not his fault what happens on the offensive side, but – it is his fault that they were on pace to score 42 points before, you know, all of a sudden turning it around. It's it just, there's so many different things that he does great. And then he does poorly the next game. He'll stop dropping a rack into coverage. Then he'll do it again to start the game. He, st- I mean, it's just, everything is, it's so, it's almost like the same story repeats itself week after week. He rushes three. He drops the wrong guys in coverage. They get burned, and after halftime, he realizes he can't do that. It's like watching – I mean, it's 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 Groundhog's Day. Every time I watch him coach, 
But the good thing is... He said that like every single episode, and it's so true. Because <laughs> it happens every week. Okay, I'm going to take this right now. He's going to rush either David King and Carl Klug, one of those guys, Jarrell Casey, and Sylvester Williams or Austin Johnson. It'll be a combination of those three guys. He's going to drop Brian Arakpo into coverage on uh, on his side, and they're just going to sit there, and they're going to try to cover Gronkowski with some linebacker underneath, and it's going to be third and 11, and they're going to convert, and I'm going to be really mad because that's exactly what's going to happen next week. He's going to have uh, Adoree follow Cooks into the slot, and then Cooks is going to have a big catch, and I'm going to be super mad again, but I know he'll remember what he did the last week and the week before, and he'll adjust at halftime, and then after half, we'll have a halfway decent defense. So, you, you know, well, not I mean, after half, we'll have a good defense, but overall it averages to being halfway decent. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's very frustrating, and I say all these things in the first half and I know he doesn't follow me but it's like he hears me berating him in his ear and all of a sudden they stop and all of a sudden the defense works and they blame it on communication or just you know that was the game plan or this is what they saw and they made adjustments but whatever it is I wish they would just go ahead and start changing now and if it doesn't work you can still change at halftime just don't get beat making the same mistakes that you've already put on tape yeah mm-hmm and no more three man rushes. No, no more three man rushes. They don't work. They've never worked. They don't work for anybody. You could have Reggie White and Dominican Sue and JJ Watt back there, and a three man rush is not going to work. <laughs> That's, you're right. Um, yeah. Two years ago, the Titans announced, or I guess, yeah, two years ago, the Titans announced the hiring of Mike Malarkey during a New England Patriots divisional playoff game in Foxborough. We were all thinking, gee, wouldn't it be nice to be playing in this game instead of having to hire a new coach every two years? Well, that's where the Titans are going to be on Saturday, in the divisional playoffs against the Patriots. We got our wish. Let's hope it's not miserable. We will be back later in the week to preview that game. Uh, until then, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Glad that we are not having to cover the offseason yet, and we're still covering Titans playoff football. We will talk to everybody next time.